This is Killstreak. Morally compromised cameramen. It's Killstreak episode 189. I'm Eric Austin. Joining me here, as always, Mr. Mike Price. Mike, how are you doing today? I'm all right. You know, what I was thinking last week. What? Or like after we recorded last week, we we like went out of our way to do this series during episode 187, but then like mm-hmm. we barely made a deal out of it during episode 187. Yeah, I mean, I guess we did the uh, the call sig- the co- like well, the codes. Well, yeah, I mean, the episode fit, but it was like I think we talked about episode literally at the top of the episode. We're yeah, just yeah, like yeah. episode one eight seven. Yeah, we didn't say like, hey, murder yeah. time, yeah. police. Yeah, we could have we could have ended with like Snoop Dogg or something. Oh uh, yeah, we could have. Yeah. Well, we're not good at this. Nah, I mean, you know, there's a certain amount of familiarity where i feel like we kind of um our baseline is higher than it used to be right because we've just done like 189 episodes. i think so too yeah, yeah. i definitely I, I would it's always funny when someone is like what episode well, like what series should i start with and i'm like well just pick one that you like mm-hmm. but also i'm like the old the newer ones are better <laughs> yeah no i say the same i said the same thing to somebody like a week and a half ago i was like start in the last 18 months yeah yeah that's what i would do um, and then, you know, get to like us and then you can go back and listen yeah. to the rest of your stuff. Yeah. Cause we used to go beat by beat with every scene in, in the mm-hmm. movie and yeah. that was fun. Mm-hmm. We were able to like make jokes about the movie. Yeah, There's more like, making fun of the movie to do for sure. Yeah. But it was also, we realized just given our time constraints with like, you know, this not being, <laughs> we're not getting paid to do this. <laughs> We so, wouldn't be here if we had kept doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's just yeah. it, I, I was missing stuff in movies, or like not not able to pay attention to things like music and mm-hmm. crap like that because I was just so focused on taking notes that like yeah. half the time I was like looking at my phone. Yeah, yeah I more than usual. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I do remember. I would try to bring up movie scores, and it became a friction point between. It us. did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah. now we're always talking about the scores. Always talking about scores. I have stuff to say about the score in this one for sure. Yeah, Joel Goldsmith. Joel Goldsmith. Yeah. Um, um, what'd you watch? What are you doing? What are you up to? Uh, I didn't really watch anything horror related. I did watch May December. Well, I was gonna say, you know, not technically a horror movie, but uh, yeah, certainly horrifying. Horrifying. Yeah, I like that yeah. movie a lot. I did too. I thought it was really good. Really good. Wonderful performances. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't even pick up that Julianne Moore had a lisp until like halfway through. Really? <laughs> yeah. I like totally like I didn't hear it until Jess pointed it out. I'm like, oh yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's fun. It's fun sort of tracking at what point Natalie Portman starts slipping it into her yeah. speech patterns. Because it happened earlier than I thought. Because I had to rewatch like 20 minutes of it. Because mm-hmm. Kenda fell asleep. So we had to restart it the next night it's definitely a movie that would that would do well on a rewatch like i bet, a, I bet. A, 
soon after rewatch, like, cause I think mm-hmm. it's, there's stuff that happens that kind of recontextualizes everything that came before it in a like really fun way. Yeah. Fun yeah. And really fun good movie. And, fun and queasy way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I don't think I watched much else this week. Uh, I kind of had a, just a busy yeah. social week this weekend. You're so popular. So popular guys. It's just, and really I haven't wild. seen you at all this week, right? No, sad. We didn't get to embrace mm. on the disc golf field. That's true. That's what we usually do. <laughs> Just a really long, tender hug. Yeah. To start every round. Um, did you watch anything? Um, that was gonna be my big one. Um, that mostly been playing some video games. I got a Steam Deck for my birthday. Oh man, I'm dying to hear more about that. Yeah, it's great. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's like if they made a Nintendo Switch for grown-ups. Um, <laughs> I mean, first of all, it's enormous, which yeah. uh, is great for me because I play it sitting on my couch or in a chair. Um, I could imagine if you were like in a commercial trying to like take it on a subway train or something. It's like a little big. Yeah. Um, but it's got a big, beautiful screen, and I didn't even get the OLED one because that one's expensive. It's like yeah, 600 it's bucks. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just like, I think you kind of like, I, I've been really slow to get into PC gaming just because I've never had a gaming PC and I've never really been interested in spending the money on one because I've always had an up to date console. Yeah, same. Um, but it's like, oh yeah, you steam like you play fucking anything you want to. Literally, yeah. the only stuff you can't play is like proprietary Nintendo stuff. It's basically the Switch is the only real competition because Nintendo's got a bunch of their own games that you can't play on other systems. And you can hook this up to a TV too, right? I believe so. I haven't even tried. I haven't tried, yeah. Yeah, but it has all sorts of like remote uh cap- so it can it can remote play from your computer. Um so, for instance, if it's something that uh, would be taxing on the Steam Deck, you can just essentially remote play it off your desktop mm-hmm. um, through Steam. And uh, But yeah, I've been playing <clears throat> a lot of Slay the Spire, which I'd never played before. Oh yeah, I've heard good things about that. This is fun. I'm getting into it. And uh, Into the Breach, we talked about. Yeah. I started playing that one. It's pretty fun. Apparently, <clears throat> Baldur's Gate is really good on the Steam Deck, <laughs> um, which which is like tricky because I already paid seventy dollars for it on PS Five. Yeah, but I'm like every time I'm a little tempted. I see it and I'm like, uh-huh, I would absolutely play a whole other campaign on my handheld. But oh. I've eaten up a lot of space with Steam Deck talk, so no, no, I, I, I'm, I want to touch it. <laughs> Let <laughs> oh, me you, touch it at some. Point. You gotta come over then. I invited <sighs> you over for birthday cake last week. You said no. Now <laughs> you can come touch the Steam Deck if you want to. Uh, yeah, I'll be over. Fucking I'll come asshole. after we record. I'll come over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay. Let's talk about. Maniac Cop Three: Badge of Silence. Which Badge is a movie. of Silence. That's not a term, right? Badge of Silence. That's not a thing. No, I don't. Okay. I think it's like Badge of Honor, right? But or like Code silence. of Silence. Code yeah. of Silence. <laughs> yeah, it should just be Code of Silence. Yeah, but there's that Chuck Norris movie, Code of Silence. So maybe mm-hmm. that's. I, I thought know. it was like a cop's term, though. I think it is. Maybe yeah. Not. Code of Silence. Well, everything's just the Chuck Norris movie. Anyways, is that the Andrew Davis one? 
It is. Yeah, I think so. That one was pretty solid. I, I never sh- watched it. You guys should turn off this episode and go watch Code Go watch Code of Silence. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely the best Chuck Norris movie I've seen. Um, mm. I think. I'm trying to think. Oh, well, the, the Rage one, the one the one that's like almost a horror movie was kind of fun. Is it called Silent Rage, maybe? Yeah, I think it's called Silent Rage. Yeah, that one's pretty fun. I like the, I like uh, Invasion USA quite a bit, too, but it's not a good movie. I enjoyed that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not good it's just though. so crazy. No, Andrew Davis directed The Fucking Fugitive. Yeah, um, in Under Siege, he's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like legitimately, like he's like the ultimate sort of a workman-like director, right? Mm-hmm. It's, he can just turn in a really solid film. But. What's he been up to lately? I'm going to look him up. AD Andrew Davis. You director. tell me. Um, in the meantime, Maniac Cop 3 is the third movie in the Maniac Cop trilogy and currently mm-hmm. the last one. Although, I think as recently as when was this interview I was reading? Um, no, that was like four, three years ago. At least three years ago, when Lustig was like, oh yeah, the remake with Nicholas Winding Refn is happening. But it, yeah, it hasn't. I haven't heard anything about it in years. Me neither. Um, I it feels like the kind of thing that'll get made eventually. Um, yeah. I I wonder if I wonder if like um, you know, cops killing a bunch of black men, like kind of cooled it off a little bit, and they're like, we can't really figure out a good angle here. Maybe, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't yeah, know. it's like him. Him and John Hyams, who I I think is he's pretty neat. He's pretty neat. <laughs> He's pretty fucking good. loser. <laughs> it is dad's Peter Hyams. Hyams. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Hyams is a pretty, I feel like that's a distinctive surname. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So remind me, this, this is our second Alan Smithy movie or our it first? Is. We okay. recently had an Alan Smithy movie. I was trying to remember what it was. I think it was, it, oh, it was, uh, a Hellraiser movie, right? Whoa. Wasn't there an Alan Smithy Hellraiser movie? Maybe. Um, it's come up. Uh, let me look at it. Yeah, Alan do some Smithy, more Google Hellraiser. Okay. Well, anyways, yeah, Bloodline was was Alan okay. Smithy. Got it. Got it. Okay. So this is our second Alan Smithy movie. If you missed the Bloodline episode, this is the DGA's designated credit for when a director wants their name off a movie. Um. I actually shot something this week that I am going to ask the director to take my name off of as the DP. Really? <laughs> it's, a, it's a fun and exciting new thing in my life. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Anyways, that's a story for another time. Not the thing I shot this weekend. This weekend I shot uh, an indie horror short that I think is very is pretty fun called Pumpkin Guts. And uh, I will... I like uh, the name of that. I'll let people know about it when it uh, is is a thing. That's not just, you know, footage. But anyways, Maniac Cop 3 started as the same principles as the other two films, right? So Mm -hmm. directed by William Lustig, written by Larry Cohen, produced by Joel Soisson, um, and returning from Maniac Cop 2, Robert Davi, uh, and Robert Zadar. Mm -hmm. Things did not go smoothly uh on the production of this film uh i read a couple different interviews with lustig he says pretty much the same thing so the reason this is an alan smithy movie 
according and again i you know everything is a little bit you know anecdotal uh but according to bill lustig larry cohen wrote the script for maniac cop 3 uh that was leaning heavily into the sort of vestigial voodoo stuff that is still in this movie Mm -hmm. the film was originally supposed to have a black cop as a lead Mm -hmm. and there was supposed to be like a connection to voodoo um which then i think also you know tied into matt cordell and that sort of stuff um and they had gone through almost all of pre-production they were in like the state in the set building stage right um and the agent who was in charge of selling the movie right to get it financed so this is a pretty common thing where you pre-sell films um there's a whole market for you know this kind of stuff but basically it's like you secure your distribution rights before you actually make the movie so just based on like who's going to be in it, who's making it. In this case, it's like, well, how much money did Maniac Cop and Maniac Cop 2 make? And then you essentially you get somebody to just bankroll the whole thing, but then they're going to get distribution rights and hopefully make their money back plus some on the, right. on, on the back end. They were in the middle of this sales process, and they were supposed to have a deal in place with uh, – Japan is how he refers to it. I'm pretty sure it wasn't the country of Japan. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, some uh, some distribution entity in Japan uh, was supposed to put up $800,000 for the movie, which was a uh, significant chunk of the budget, which has not been disclosed. Mm. And according to Bill Lustig... The Japanese product, uh, distribution company was not comfortable with a black lead. Oh, um, okay. Which is plausible. Um, yeah, I think so. I think yeah. Japan has a yeah. history of st- stuff like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, as, as most countries do in some shape or form. But uh, yes, Japan, not innocent of cultural sort of uh, racism mm-hmm. uh, at times. Uh, I, I'm not speaking for individual Japanese folks. Of course, just, you know historically it's happened. Um, so what ended up happening was the production company Swasson in particular, um, and I think First Look is the 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 actual studio that was that was bankrolling some of this. They they just ceded to the Japanese and they said, okay, we'll we'll redo it. Right. Um, and this did not go over particularly well with Lustig or Larry Cohen, and particularly Larry Cohen got pretty upset um, because they went ahead and started filming. And Lustig says he he was said he was put in the uncomfortable position of having to start kind of hacking stuff out of the script hmm. and shooting something that didn't totally make sense because he couldn't do a lot of what was originally planned. Mm-hmm. The production company asked Cohen to rewrite the script to make it work because the other thing was Robert Dobby wasn't just a like fallback. The distributors wanted specifically Robert Dobby. They were okay. like, he they're like, he was the protagonist at the end of the last movie. We want him back for this one if we're gonna finance it. Right. So Lustig didn't want to work. I mean, he at no point said anything like, I don't like Robert Dobby, but it's like that was not their intention to right. bring that wasn't to the bring story him back. he was telling. Exactly. So 
when they bring him back in and start going back into production with this kind of new, you know, neutered concept, whatever you want to call it, um, they asked Cohen to rewrite the script, but they didn't offer to pay him anything. <laughs> and he uh, balked at that. And he said, if you want to rewrite, then you pay me to rewrite the script. Mm-hmm. And the producers would not pay him again. Uh, so he said, no, I will not rewrite the script. So, you know, at this point, it becomes one of these things where it's like the production, the producers are like, okay, well, we'll just kind of do it ourselves or kind of, you know, cobble something together. And um, supposedly what happened was after shooting what was supposed to be the whole movie, apparently Lustig turned in a cut of the movie that was 51 minutes long. Wow. Um, And kind of like, you know, a little bit perturbed and just sort of saying here this is what we were able to make after what the position you forced us into right um so what ends up happening they say okay well we have to redo a whole bunch of um extra shooting and he pretty much says he's not gonna do it and he walks he has his name taken off the movie and supposedly it was joel swasson who directed the extra 30 to 30 like like it's more than 30 minutes of footage um that they added after principal production now i couldn't find out anywhere what parts are yeah that's curious i was gonna yeah so it's sort of like i wish i knew a little bit more of this before i watched the movie i might even who knows i might even watch it again at some point just because i would really like to see if i could figure out what was added in later on Mm -hmm. um which maybe that tells you something. I don't know. We'll we'll talk about the movie shortly. Um, but obviously the voodoo stuff, which I used the word vestigial before. I don't know how you felt, but it's like there are these there is the stuff in there that it's like I don't really see how this totally ties into the rest of the movie. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And you get the impression. So that's probably Bill Lustig stuff. Right. Because yeah. that's part of Cohen's original script. Um but yeah, so that's kind of the dirt as far as I could figure it out in terms of why this is an Alan Smithy film. I, if I were to to guess, I wonder if the like the camera guys, like the the I call them stringers off air, mm-hmm. like but the those nightcrawler guys. Yeah, I bet that would maybe was added. And I feel like a lot of the hospital stuff because this movie takes place mostly in a hospital like and i wonder if that was another like that well we gotta have more shit to do okay so i can actually speak to this apparently the original script was largely revolved around the hospital okay so i think your your first inclination is interesting because if if i understand it correctly it it would have like that would have been more hospital so stuff that's not in the hospital are the more likely candidates yeah yeah, because those guys don't really tie into the larger story much at all, other than they're the ones that film. Yeah, then they just kind of set her up to look bad. Yeah, yeah, and that's well, it. Well, no, it's an interesting question. And I, yeah, like I said, I am almost curious enough to dive back in and not like tonight, but maybe, yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe in six to 12 months. Um, <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about the cast a little bit. Because it's got a cast. It does have some really surprising people 
Yeah, so like we said, uh, Davi and Zadar returning kind of top build. But then you you we really got a, a like a little mini cavalcade of character actors. Mm-hmm. Um, first one I'll point out because I they had a scene together and I went, oh my god, it's a diehard reunion. So this guy Grand L Bush is his name. Um, he's the black guy with like kind of slick back hair. Mm-hmm. So oh yeah, he, yeah. So he and Robert Davi are FBI agents Johnson and Johnson and Die Hard. Oh. Um, and they have a, a little scene together where they're chit-chatting in a diner. Um, and then a couple scenes later, who waltzes onto the scene but Paul Gleason? Paul Gleason, yeah. That was a also big from Die Hard. Yeah. Yeah. People probably know him best as the principal in the Breakfast Club. Breakfast Club, yeah, yeah. But he's like the chief of police or whatever asshole in Die Hard, who's who kind of is like a sycophant to the FBI guys. He is so good at playing sleazy assholes. Like yeah. he's so good at it. It's too bad that we never got uh, Paul Gleason and and uh, William Atherton going head to head in a movie. Uh, it could have just made like an assholes movie. Like there's no protagonist. It's just like one oh slimy greaseball versus another. Oh, that'd be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, are they, have they passed? Uh, are they still with us? I believe. Oh, it could still happen. Um, I believe it could still, I, I'm pretty sure Atherson's still around now. Paul Gleason passed quite a while ago. Oh. Wow. Young. 2006. Really? Yeah. Jeez Louise. What happened? I don't know. Let's get depressed. Let's find out. Oh, my God. What? He died of mesothelioma. Oh, no. Yeah. That's the, isn't that the. It's um, the PSA. Like, a, do you yeah. or anybody you know it, has been diagnosed it, with mesothelioma? Isn't it like asbestos lung cancer? Yeah, yeah. It's not, I didn't say, I said PSA. I meant uh, no, you're class right. action. Class lawsuit. action. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what it is. But, wow, that's crazy. Um. Yeah, so he passed away in 2006. Yeah, it is asbestos-related. Which is funny, because California, for people who haven't been out here, has, um, there are, like, signs all over the place for older buildings that are, like, like asbestos is known to be in this building. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, I see less and less of them, which makes me wonder if they, I mean, I'm sure a lot of them have been torn down. Yeah. but it's one of those things where it's like the reason you see it isn't because there's more buildings with asbestos in California. It's because California is one of the only states that actually requires them to inform the public that uh-huh. there is asbestos in the building, right? Where yeah. we grew up, you're just huffing that shit. Oh, you know, yeah. None the wiser. I remember one of the, my schools, I think. I think it was my no, school. I'm... Had asbestos. <laughs> like they had to get replaced or some shit and i was like really freaked out it's there was a period in my life when i was young this will shock not shock mike because i am Hmm. i do have ocd and i i I (laughs) am a hypochondriac a bit although right now i'm doing fine um where i was obsessed with lead paint and (laughs) asbestos (laughs) i was like convinced i was going to be exposed to lead paint and like eat it i guess because i don't think you could just like you don't get sick just like being around it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got ingested, isn't that the whole thing? I think so. Yeah, because it's like the paint chips joke and uh, Tommy Boy. Yeah, G-Lock. and I thought I, I like one time uh, I chewed on my pencil and I got scared that I was gonna get lead poisoning until it was it was <laughs> explained to me that it's not lead. It's graphite. Yeah, yeah, it's graphite. <laughs> this is some this is some real on the nose shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
But that's a nice glimpse behind the curtain for people at home who don't know about your hangups. Um, yeah. I mean, I was probably seven or eight or something like that. Still too young to be worried. That's about dark, that man. That yeah. makes it that makes it more depressing. My son's the same way. It sucks. <laughs> Mini me. Yeah. That's how we know he's not my kid. <laughs> Wait, was, was that called into question? I mean, not by me, but you know, <laughs> people have been talking. People have said, yeah, oh, they've, no. they've they've noticed a resemblance, and I oh, say, no. hey, like, you know, I don't know anything. That reddish hair. Oh, no. Don't look at me. Don't look at me. It's not mine. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. just shooting blanks. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna find out in the next year or so. Oh. Um, so who else? Uh, a couple more. Um, <laughs> in my head, I just had a. There's a scenario that played out where it's like, Eric, we need your sperm. <laughs> Mike is shooting blanks. <laughs> <laughs> boy, oh boy, that's an idea. All right. As an idea, it's not a good one, <laughs> but I am the father of your child. <laughs> mm, cool. So, um, other actors get a little quick cameo from Ted Raimi as a nod to his brother Sam's appearance in the first film. Yep, plays a reporter in a blink and you'll miss it shot. Uh, a slightly longer but more or less extended cameo from the great Robert Forster. Yeah. That was I. I saw his name in the credits and I forgot he was in it. And then the, mm-hmm. also a shock when he came on screen. I mean, it's a great way to use, uh, you know, a name, assuming that you're not actually able to cast them in a large role. It's mm-hmm. like, I, what is he in? Two scenes, I think. Yeah, I mean, he's like he essentially is introduced and dies in the same fifteen minutes or so. Yeah, yeah, and he's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's awesome. <laughs> He does all his business walking around the ER, like checking on everybody. Yeah. It's very fun. Um, yeah. Oh, before I forget, this is a little bit of a tangent, but this is a call to our listeners around the country and the globe. Apparently, we're listening to Eric in, in uh, 14 different countries. Wow. Um, but uh, did you uh, did you get our Spotify podcasts unwrapped, by the way? Or wrapped? Um, oh, I probably did, but I didn't open it. I should check it out. Did you? We're, I did. I looked through it. Did you know that we're growing? We're no. We're, yeah. Apparently, thirty-three uh, percent of our listeners uh, joined the podcast in twenty twenty-three. Wow. Well, welcome. Yeah. yeah. Glad to have you guys aboard. Absolutely. Um, tell your friends and and loved ones uh, mm-hmm. to come along for the ride. But the question I was going to pose to people who don't live here in sunny California is. Is it obvious to you guys mm-hmm. when they shoot L.A. for New York? Because I will say, and this isn't like a large criticism of the movie, so I'm comfortable talking about it outside blood mm-hmm. and guts. But as opposed to the first two movies, they don't really do much to try and mask the fact that this is all shot in Los Angeles. Um, yes. In fact... There is a car chase at the end of this movie, which is quite long. Yes. And is shot on what I am going to guess is the 6th Street Bridge. Yeah, um, 6 or 4, I can't remember. Yeah, but it's one of the bridges that crosses the L.A. River in from Boyle Heights and goes into downtown L.A. Mm-hmm. Those bridges are like 400 feet long. Yeah, they're short. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it takes about eight seconds to cross it. 
Yeah. Right. Going the speed limit. And there's like a five minute car chase. Yeah. It's like the bridge in um, uh, True Lies. <laughs> like, the, yeah. like the Key West. Bridge. Headed out to the Keys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but it was funny thinking about how they must have shot it. It's just like, well, we just do a bunch of like 15 second shots. We start mm-hmm. at one end and we go to the other and then we go back and do it again. Um, but yeah. So write in. Uh, leave us a voicemail, do whatever you want to do, but let me know if you're out there on the East Coast or if you're down South, tell me if it's obvious when uh, you're seeing the 6th Street Bridge in what's supposed to be, you know, downtown New York. Yeah, it jumps. I mean, I see the skyline and I immediately mm-hmm. know. Yeah. Um, looking at, there is a Maniac Cop page for the series Mm-hmm. on uh imdb and it's yeah yeah i don't know it might be happening who knows it exists in limbo i mean it feels very much like the kind of thing that during like the the hbo max to max transition yeah and in this like hellish twilight time of david zaslov um that maybe it's just like not moving anywhere it's just sort of frozen until everyone figures out what the fuck's going on mm-hmm. um there was one more uh, appearance I wanted to talk about in a, a making a big impression early in the film. Jackie Earl Haley. Yeah. Uh, as the sort of pharmacy robber uh, who um, shoots a bunch of people. <laughs> yeah. Shoots like her- morphine into his yeah. neck. <laughs> yeah. But it's an interesting transitional time for Jackie Earl Haley because famously he was a child actor. And then he kind of reappeared on everybody's radar or in the in the mid to late aughts, right? Mm-hmm. With little children and Watchmen. Yeah. Um Yeah, so that uh Freddy Krueger. Yeah, he's what? Uh, yeah, Freddy Krueger eventually. I'm trying to figure out how old he is. Looks like he was born in sixty one. Yeah, so he would have been like thirty when he shot this, more or less. Yeah, movie came out in 1992, by the way. I don't think I mentioned that up top. Mm. Um, but it did. That's the year that it came out. Uh, what else? Oh, here, I found a budget figure. No, this is a different movie. Never mind. Don't listen to me. Um, okay. Anything else uh, we got to talk about up top? No, I wanted to make sure you got that Jackie Earl Haley in there. But other than that, let's Great. take a quick break and we'll come back to it. When the violent This filthy creep's gonna make us rich Can't be controlled When the guilty Can't be caught When the lawless Can't be stopped The only hope left You saw a symbol in the dirt You see the symbol of anti-justice Is a cop Who's ready to raise a little hell. I need your very special kind of darkness. From the darkest powers of creation. Wanna know about resurrection? Comes a force more powerful than light. More lasting than death. He has returned. Who's in there? As judge. Jury. An executioner. Oh my god. I know what I saw. To enforce the law. Where is he? You'll find him. With a vengeance. Ah! But now. Ah! 
The only way to end the massacre is to destroy two tortured souls. The madness. Finish it. of silence. The Maniac Cop is back. A priest practicing the voodoo arts resurrects Matt Cordell, who takes his badge and comes back to life to do his bidding. Meanwhile, a pair of cameramen who are hoping to make it big come across a convenience store robbery where a police officer named Katie Sullivan intervenes in a hostage situation. She manages to wound the suspect, but realizes the clerk is his girlfriend, and she had intentionally let him in to rob the store. There's a crossfire, and while Katie is severely wounded, she ends up killing the clerk in return. Though rushed to the hospital, Katie is declared comatose and brain dead, much to the chagrin of investigating officer Sean McKinney. McKinney catches the report of Katie using excessive force in a hostage situation, which portrays the clerk as an innocent victim and threatens to free the badly injured Frank Jessup. Can I just interject for a second? Yeah. I don't buy them as a couple. He doesn't seem stable enough to be in a relationship with. No, he's a fucking maniac. Yeah. Yeah, it's not good. I, I didn't even. Yeah, it's not even clear. It's very clear. Um, it was confusing when she shoots her. Mm-hmm. I mean, you find out why, but yeah. 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 Meanwhile, stalking Katie's progress. Also, McKinney doesn't look like a McKinney. Like Robert Davi doesn't look like his name is McKinney. No, his name should be fucking Italian. Yeah. Exactly. Who are we kidding? You know? He doesn't look like an Irish cop. <laughs> Meanwhile, stalking Katie's progress, Cordell goes to the hospital to watch her, killing a heckler in the process. He kills one of her supervising physicians with a defibrillator paddle and then murders Katie's physician with x-ray radiation. The two reporters who had framed Katie are also slain by Cordell afterwards. I feel kind of, uh, tell me if you're opposed, but I feel like we're missing some plotty stuff that I feel like is worth talking about. Yeah, I think we are. Um, I think I can interject what I what I think is is meaningful. So first of all, we we lost a whole opening the early scene with McKinney and Sullivan. They're like very close. Yeah, um, it's like a mentorship, like yeah. you know, father daughter sort of relationship. Yeah, with them. they have a whole like kind of long conversation on the shooting range about how she's already been dubbed Maniac Kate. Yes, because be- she plays hard. She plays loose with the rules. Yeah, yeah. She's had a couple of questionable shootings and yes. and that sort of thing. So that's all sort of stuff we we know going into this hostage situation where she is justified in this case. This is uh mm-hmm. you know, lives are at stake. And then I feel like the other thing we're not getting enough of is the hospital stuff. So we were talking about Robert Forster, mm-hmm. right? Um do they mention that at all? The the like no, trying to pull he, the plug on her. No, that yeah. that it has not been brought up. But yeah, there's this whole subplot of the city, right? It's like the, mm-hmm. the the city is trying to get the plug pulled. Kate's plug pulled, and you know, take her off life support uh, yeah, because she, she poses a PR problem. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And that's how Gleason 
is the representative mm-hmm. who comes from the city to essentially bribe Robert Forster into signing off on the paperwork to pull the plug. With Nick's tickets. <laughs> yeah. Which I wanted to say just before I forget. Like, that's such a trope in in movies and TV, like courtside seats to the Knicks or the Lakers or whatever it is. And it always was just kind of like whatever to me. But for some reason, on this viewing, it finally struck me. And I was like, oh, man, like courtside Knicks tickets? That would be sick. Yeah. Sitting next to Spike Lee. <laughs> yeah. It's like I would do some stuff for those. Yeah. Um, no, like Lakers? I want to be next to Jack Nicholson spilling fucking chili on his pants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. He's going to die soon. Yeah. You got to get that opportunity. All right. Sorry. Let's continue. Meanwhile, McKinney and a physician, Susan, are investigating the murders and the strange behavior experienced by the comatose Katie. Their investigations lead them to Hounigan, who admits that they had brought Cordell back from the dead, and he is interested in Katie, who is on the verge of death. Okay. This is a terrible... Yeah, <laughs> it's right. not a good so, one. So, Hoongan is a voodoo priest who mm-hmm. we see glimpses of throughout the movie. Yeah. It's not really super clear who he is, but it's clear that he's manipulating Matt Cordell in some way. Right. There's also a murder uh no, not even a murder. A dead body is found headless yeah. with a chicken stuffed down its neck hole. Yeah. And that's right. Robert Dobby immediately knows it's voodoo. Yeah, and it's also not sinister. It's like yes, he has to explain to these other cops that it's like a, a like an unhoused guy OD'd, and yes. the voodoo guy cut his head off and stuffed a chicken down his throat because it like helps him get to the afterlife. Yeah, it helps him. It's like a bird because it helps him fly to the afterlife or something. Yeah, like that. yeah, it's wild uh, stuff. Um, okay, so admits that he brought Cordell back from the dead, and he's interested in Katie, who is on the verge of death. Cordell is interested in Katie, by the way. That's an unclear sentence. Yes. And also, Hoongan is, right? Um, I feel like, isn't he just an observer at this point? Maybe, yeah. I guess Cordell, yeah. it's sort of like a Frankenstein's bride situation. Yeah, yeah. Like, Cordell seems to be calling the shots at this point. Hoongan mm-hmm. brought him back for reasons unclear. It's because it was in the old script. Um, you know. Mm-hmm. At gunpoint, Cordell forces Hoongan to attempt the resurrection on her. But he is unable to do so, stating her spirit is refusing to return from the dead to be with him. Cordell kills Hoongan, who, and both he and Katie, are set on fire in the process. She is immolated. As they escape, Susan and McKinney are chased by Cordell, who survived the fire while remaining ablaze. He chases them in a beat. Uh, also, they like almost fuck too. Like in a very late, very <laughs> late in the right. movie, <laughs> things are like too sketchy. Exactly, but, people are dying, and they're like, yeah. "Fuck, let's let's just fuck." I mean, their <laughs> chemistry is undeniable. Yeah. <laughs> um, as they escape, Susan and McKinney are chased by Cordell, who survived the fire while remaining ablaze. He chases them in a beat up police car while they ride in an ambulance. They and it's like to- a Ghostbusters ambulance. <laughs> it is. Yeah. 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 They manage to throw an oxygen tank into the burning car before both crash. However, before Cordell can back up on the other disabled vehicle, the canister goes off, blowing up the car. Okay, hold on. I want to go back through this. Yes. Okay, so it's a very long car chase. Cordell is on fire, Mm -hmm. driving the police car. Alongside them, while they're going towards, like, oncoming traffic. Right. 
on this bridge that goes on forever, even though it's like less than a thousand feet long. Yes. Um, <laughs> and he keeps slamming into them uh, from the passenger side. And at a certain point, he sticks his arm like he has super strength. Um, so he sticks his arm through the window and is like holding the cars together with his arm. Mm -hmm. And at this point, McKinney has thrown the oxygen tank into the back, uh, of, of the cop car, knowing it's, it's a ticking time bomb, but they can't separate from Cordell cause he's holding on to it. Mm -hmm. So, so McKinney drives, he sees a, a road sign and like drives straight into it to where it goes between the two cars and mm -hmm. cuts off Cordell's arm. Mm -hmm. And that's how we get here, where like then the two cars are sort of showing down because uh, the ambulance is flipped, and Cordell's about to run them down when the oxygen tank goes off and his car blows up. Blowing up the car. Yeah. Later, the charred corpse of Katie is rolled into a morgue next to the burned remains of Cordell. While the lone coroner who rolled Katie into the morgue is busy with his computer... <laughs> Missed opportunity to... <laughs> To be snacking on some Pez you or something. sandwich or something? Yeah. yeah. He's busy the with his computer. <laughs> the fuck was that? I heard a weird noise. Now I'm scared. Um, the camera pans to the bodies, which shows Cordell's hand moving over to hold Katie's hand. The coroner soon notices, and it cuts to black. Okay, that was a horrible <laughs> recap. Mm -hmm. It really is. <laughs> really poorly written recap. But you know what it also made me think, Eric? We were talking about the old times of the show. Mm -hmm. We should talk about this off the air, really, but I just want to say it so I don't forget. What if we made it a point of order to talk after each paragraph of the Wikipedia synopsis? That's a good call. That's a good call. Because sometimes we skip over things and yeah. then we're like, well, actually, I want to go back and talk about this right. thing. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe we reflect. We just take those breaks in there and kind of. Let's, yeah. Let's, let's try to do that. Let's do that. Okay. Okay. Blood and Guts check. It's the first time viewing for both of us. Mm -hmm. I had never seen this. Nor um, I'm just repeating myself. <laughs> just said the same thing <laughs> two times in a row. Um, I've so, also not seen it. Yeah, we also neither of us have seen this. Uh, well, now I know. Have. Now I have. You're right. Okay. Before, uh, as of <laughs> a couple hours ago, <laughs> mm. uh, you know, I will say also, I didn't watch. I. This, the conditions un, under which mm. I watched this movie weren't the best. So okay, okay. I watched it, giving it mostly full attention. I watched yeah. it on Friday night after I got home from set, and I was uh, only sparingly on my phone. I wasn't. I wasn't much on my phone, but I, I started it. Um, watched like forty minutes on Friday, mm -hmm. and then today while I was watching my son, I was like, you know, making him mac and cheese, and then going back mm -hmm. in between to like. <laughs> To chip away at it until it, sure, was, until sure. it was done. Um, so, what did you think of the movie, Mike? Um, so, remember, towards the end of last week's episode, I made a joke that you were like, what could be so bad that it would make William Lustig take his name off a movie? Yeah. And I think my response was like, well... <laughs> I mean, the stuff he does isn't so incredible that it, it you know, it's like, what if... Exactly. Uh, well, I don't know. What if it's what if it's no better or worse or even better? And I, I don't want to make a statement quite so bold, but I will say I was very entertained by this movie. <laughs> it's yeah. like, a, it's a mess um, because of, like, the fucked up script stuff. But it's 
it was a very satisfying, like, shitty, it's not even, I mean, it's kind of shitty, but, like, yeah, it's, like, a really cheesy, um, pretty typical in some parts, but then it's, like, I don't know, it was pretty entertaining. So I'll I'll interrupt and say that I feel largely the same. My capsule review is that this is not a good movie. Mm Mm-hmm. It's a bad movie, mm-hmm. but it's not a terrible movie, and it's kind of entertaining. Yeah, we like, talked about sc- this a lot, but like fun, ba- it's sort of fun bad. Yeah, exactly. And this the script is a goddamn mess, though. Like that—that <laughs> that is. is the weakest yeah. part of all of it. it the script yeah. makes no sense. But other than that, like that end chase is yeah. awesome. It's it's really fucking funny too. Mm-hmm. Like that's something that I didn't want to get into because I didn't want to kind of give away my feelings too much. But like they like it's it's like a comic beat that like they'll be dry. They're driving in this ambulance and all of a sudden the uh, she looks out the window and he's yeah. just there on fire, on fire. <laughs> and yeah. she screams like a maniac. And it's like that happens like three times. And every time it's a little bit funnier. There is a point during that car chase. It looks fucking incredible. I honestly don't mm-hmm. know how they did it mm-hmm. where he's got his arm out the window and he comes up fast behind another car and he puts his hand on the back bumper of the car while both cars are moving and shoves the car and it spins out. Yeah. Did you catch that? Yeah, it's wild. It was insane. I was like, I don't know how th- this must have just been an incredible accident. I don't know how you do this. No, it's it's and he's on fire while he's that happens. Fi- that, by the like, way, that, that can't be like forgotten. He's on fire through the uh-huh. duration of this car chase. <laughs> it's like the last ten minutes of the movie. He's on fire the whole time, and you can kind of see that. You can see that it's a mask he's wearing, right. or like glass where the eyes mm-hmm. are to protect the the stuntman. Yeah, but he's inside of a moving car ablaze. It's yeah. incredible. It really is. Yeah. Um, if if nothing else, this movie's on Tubi and Shutter. If you're mm-hmm. not going to watch this movie, at least go watch the last ten minutes or something, or last yeah. whatever fifteen minutes. Yeah. If you find Katie on like a slab in an old church, just fire it up from there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, like I mean, we talked about some of the other fun stuff that, um, like the Forster stuff. Like it definitely has a little bit of a sense of humor. Mm-hmm. Um. It looks weirdly very good. I I like I kept waiting for the other shoe to drop and I was like, is it just is there just an era of 35 millimeter film stock where it's like almost impossible to make a truly bad looking movie? Yeah, yeah. Because it I think looks this, nice. <laughs> it looks nice. I think the last one looked better, but yeah, maybe this one it looked it didn't look. Cause this, I think this premiered on like HBO or something like that. I read. It, it does say distributed by HBO. So, that um, so I, w- I was definitely expecting it to be not as good of quality. It is not as good of a quality, but it's not mm. bad. It's not bad. No, it's not like the. It's not like a nosedive in production value that you might expect. It's, it's like kind of to me. I was like, yeah, it doesn't seem like they spent a whole lot less than they would have spent on the last one. Oh. Um, yeah, go ahead. Something we forgot, we, we sort of teased, but we didn't bring up. Oh, G- yes, yes. The 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 score by uh, Joel Goldsmith, 
who is the son of Jerry Goldsmith. Mm-hmm. I didn't like the music. Like no. it, it's it's a lot of the '90s, you know, MIDI horns, like synthesizer yeah. horns and shit, and like we've strings. Ta- yeah, we've talked about this many times. This is the worst era of film yeah. scoring in Hollywood history, and it is squarely in that era. Yeah, yeah. There's like there's like choir voices mm-hmm. that are synth that are like you know synth samples, and not like in a fun way no. like not like in a cheeky way it's just like it's just bad yeah it's a, in the way that it's like they're trying to pass it off as like an orchestral score yeah yeah exactly and that's basically the worst thing you can do um and that was just like six years that's just like 80 88 to like 90 no five years let's say 88 to 93 yeah um but yeah it's not good it's it it, it hurts the movie they should have just used the exact same score from Maniac Cop 2. Mm-hmm. Um, what else was I going to say? Yeah, so there's like there's a bunch of set pieces. Here's the thing. This movie, like, you know, kind of what I was, maybe one of the things that I was saying is it's, like, it's kind of predictable in some ways, but fairly well executed in its, in its like, kind of leaning into very popular tropes. Like, it becomes a much more straightforward slasher movie, mm-hmm. uh, I think, than either of the other two were. Um, there is, like, a there's like a mission statement, kind of, which is it just becomes clear that Cordell is killing anyone who might wrong, you know, Katie, Coma Katie. Yeah. Um, and but in a way where it's like, yeah, it feels like a Halloween movie where it's just like somebody does something shitty and you're like, well, that guy's going to get there it. There goes. Yeah. And then like the next scene is hit is like, oh, everybody else is gone and this guy's totally fucked now. Um, but yeah, I think it, it's it's satisfying in that way because um, there's lots of there's just kills on a regular schedule. Mm-hmm. Some of them are fairly creative. None of them have like incredible you know via like special effects or anything but uh but it's not cheap like the, you know it's it rises above the level of like really cheesy effects i think you can see places where they stretch the time mm-hmm. like we get i mean i'm i'm sure these movies aren't really made to be watched back to back as most of these movies aren't that we cover but we get like the third repeat of cordell being killed in prison <laughs> yes. yeah and the whole beginning of the movie is, is the scene that ends the last movie. Yeah. 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 Is that a reimagining? Like, is it reshooting of it? Or is it's just no. this, the same no. footage? And I don't know if you caught this, but not even in the flashback sense. But in the hospital, they actually reuse some stairwell footage from the police station massacre in well, Maniac Cop 2. I didn't. Ca- I know he does shoot cops on the in the stairwell. Yeah, and I was like, "What are those cops doing?" In a, yeah, in a, in a I said hotel, um, in the hospital. hospital. Yeah, the whole shot is just lifted from the previous movie. Oh, that's and, funny. And it's not a flashback. It's just like they won't notice. It's a hard. Yeah, because ha- he has the yeah. gun from part two. I'm like, oh, the gun's mm-hmm. back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, what else? It's, I mean, continuing with this weird theme of like, why is this still Robert Zadar? I mean, I guess yes, it's, I I'm glad too. he's getting paid to do it. Same. Um, I was going to say the exact same thing. Yeah. But that's it. 
Otherwise, he's just a stunt guy. You he's know? just a stunt guy. He's just a big guy with a mask on. But his mm-hmm. face is so interesting. Just put makeup on his face. Ex- exactly. Yeah. He never looks more interesting than at the end of the first one when they've just given him some like loose zombie effects on his actual weird head. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Um. Cool. I I liked the uh, news guys, the the shitty camera guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like they they were pretty funny and like they're just so despicable. They're really terrible. <laughs> they're <laughs> so funny. What was the really uh. There was like a really problematic joke, or it wasn't oh, even a joke. Like, it was a comment. Why couldn't it have been an Italian or a Greek? Yeah, when, when somebody gets killed and they find out it's like a black kid. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, damn it, that's not gonna get any money. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, I it like it broke my brain a little bit because I was like, okay, wait. So I think this is deliberately painting these guys as pieces of shit, mm-hmm. but then also like. But it's handled with so little tact that it's like, but it is offensive. Like, mm-hmm. it's offensive in, in this world that it's in this movie, even though it is also supposed to be offensive in the world of the movie. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> they, they also respond to a, a drive-by shooting, and there's like a little, a little black kid who's like distraught, and one of them sticks a camera in his face, and it's like, you find out that it was the kid's sister. And the cameraman has this moment where he's like, oh, fuck, it's his sister. But then he's just like, yeah, tough world. And then, like, walks away. <laughs> like, Jesus Christ. And it's heartbreaking because the kid's, like, kind of doing a good job of being, yeah. like, shooken up and, yeah. like, sad. It's, like, it's heartbreaking. But then mm-hmm. it goes, yeah, tough, tough life. Yeah, yeah. Um, Definitely. I think, you know, I, I really enjoy the opening sort of big set piece of the robbery with Jackie yeah, Earl Haley. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going he, nuts. Yeah. He's such a psycho. It's like such an unrealistic psycho, but in a way that's entertaining. He's chugging pills. He's just opening bottles of pills and chugging them down his throat. Like they're candy. Yeah. And injecting himself with, with like morphine <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. Right into his neck. And yeah. At, at one point he finally finds, he finds the Dilaudid and yeah. So he pumps a syringe of it. Straight into his neck while he's quote unquote holding <laughs> what's actually his girlfriend hostage. Yeah. But it's the sort of thing where it's like he immediately goes into like a morphine high. And I was like, oh, well, now, you know, he's not going to fight back or anything because he's like high on morphine. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, hold on. I have to pause for a second. Uh, okay. <laughs> we can keep rolling. I'll just be gone. Like 90 seconds. Apparently, a Flynn snuck under the Christmas tree. Okay. <laughs> wow. This is a f- kill streak first. I'm going to try to run with it. While that's happening, uh, I'll give our socials out. Uh, killstreakpod at gmail.com. If you like to leave us an email, write an email to us. Also, leave us a voicemail if you have any questions, comments, concerns. And if you want, we'll play it on the um, the show. And then you can do that by following the directions in the show notes. Um, then Instagram, of course, at KillstreakPod. Pod. Back. All right, he's coming back. And I'll, uh, yeah, we'll be, po- we usually we'll post the movie that we're covering before the episode comes out. And so you can stay abreast on which series we're covering. Uh, 
did you fill time well enough that we can just leave it all in? <laughs> yeah, I did. I plugged our socials. Incredible. Good job. Thank yeah. You. So um, there are, we're right by the, um, what is the racetrack? The, like the drag track. The Santa Anita. Yeah. No, no, no. The, the car. Um, oh, that racing. one. Yeah, yeah. I've driven by it, but I don't know what it is. Yeah. I forget what it's called. But anyways, they do fireworks all the time on the weekends. Oh, uh, yeah. Like they end all their weekend shows with fireworks and Flynn goes nuts. Um, and apparently he went and hid under the Christmas tree, but there's not enough room for him under there. So big dog. Yeah, it was, um, it was kind of a mess, but, uh, everybody's okay now. So anyways, I was talking about this morphine stupor that I assumed Jackie Earl Haley would be in, but then as soon as Sullivan drops through the roof, which did they even say that in the, yeah, no, she didn't. She goes to the roof. Yeah. She drops through like a, like a skylight, um, remarkably uninjured mm-hmm. until she gets shot a bunch of times by uh his jackie or Haley's girlfriend but yeah i was saying it's like i was like oh yeah this is this is gonna diffuse the situation but it's like no he still he still is like violent. super aggressive even though <laughs> like he should be unconscious yeah. yeah he should be dead by now at this point with all <laughs> he's put into his body um so yeah like my knowing that lustig really wanted to bring it into the voodoo storylines mm-hmm. that's my least favorite part yeah of, of the movie i think like i didn't really like any of those scenes they feel very silly yeah and it's it's the wrong tone because yeah. they're trying to be serious and failing mm-hmm. whereas like most of the time when the movie succeeds it embraces its schlockiness you know um yeah so and who's to say oh. if, yeah go ahead Oh, sorry, sorry. No, no, no. The shockiness, like I was going to use as an example of that, mm. is Paul Gleason. He's so funny in it. And also, yeah. there's this amazing scene. This might come up later. We'll see. <laughs> where he's flirting with, I don't even know what she is. She's like some the official. Doctor? That, she's a doctor, Su- someone at Su- the hospital. Yeah, Susan. And then uh, they're flirting and then they're like, oh, they make plans to like go out for a drink or something like that. Mm. Then they turn and they're immediately shot dead. <laughs> oh, it's so, so it's not Susan. It's a different it's doctor. Susan. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so fucking funny. It is like truly surprising. Mm-hmm. Uh, I laughed really hard. It's just, it like they have like really great look on their face too. They're like, what? And then they just get shot immediately. <laughs> yeah. We didn't mention it, but Robert Forster dies because he straps him down to a gurney and then sets the x-ray machine to just repeatedly x-ray his head yeah like cooks his head it's horrifying mm-hmm. yeah be a terrible way to go horrible way to go he's so um, good i love robert forster he is i've never not enjoyed his presence in, mm-hmm. in, in anything um i'm trying to think if i'm forgetting any other like big scenes no um one other critique Mm. It's, it feels stupid to even critique this movie in, a lot, in some way. The relationship between uh, McKinney mm-hmm. and the Susan. doctor, Susan, yeah. is very strange. It doesn't feel... It's just like it's so tacked yeah. on. He's he's weird. Yeah. I, I don't know what to make of him because I think he's a great character actor. I don't know that he really works as a leading man. No, I but agree. then I like kind of vacillate back and forth between like 
do does he seem like somebody who would get laid all the time or is he kind of like weird like you know like uh he's got like dad energy sort of craggly and you know yeah uh, yeah. I also don't know how old he is. Is he 40? Is he 65? Hard to tell. He's in great yeah. shape, though. He is. But, yeah, he's got all the acne scarring, which is sort of his trademark, mm-hmm. but it also kind of makes it hard to determine what uh, what age he is. Did you also know that he was a classically trained singer? I did not know that. He does the singing in the Goonies. You know, he does some of the opera Yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, you know who have been great in this movie? Or yeah. in any of these movies, John Hurd, like oh, yeah. famous New York actor, mm-hmm. uh, he would have been a great like he'd be so fun. He's in Chud, but yeah, did he ever play him. a cop? I wonder. Is he a cop in Chud? No, he's not. He's I think a journalist. Okay. Yeah, he's either a journalist or an artist. He's one of the. T- he's a photographer. That's photographer. What he is. Okay, it's been a long. Yeah. I haven't seen Chud in a long yeah. time. Yeah, and then Daniel Stern is like a uh, homeless guy, and yeah. they team up. To, to figure out what's going on with the chips. that's right that's right man yeah. we just rewatched. um speaking of horror mm-hmm. <laughs> we watched uh home alone 2 <laughs> okay and yeah. my son mm-hmm. was visibly so disturbed by some of the violence in that movie and he <laughs> loves home alone like he's watched home alone a bunch of times he loved this one too he he said he actually liked it more than the first home alone wow which i disagree with but whatever yeah. he's young he doesn't know um, but some of the violence is absurd. Mm. You know, I mean, it's very realistic, okay. like bones breaking, people falling from like two stories. And it's and he was like really like closing his eyes in a way that like I've never seen him do before. And I've shown him huh. like you know, I showed him the clip from Deadly Friend where the the <laughs> speaking of Goonies, the lady, the mean lady from the Goonies gets her face uh-huh. blown up by a basketball. <laughs> He like showed that to him. Yeah, yeah. He laughed very hard at it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he was so like disturbed by Home Alone too, which I thought was really funny. I I remember I went to go see Jackass in the theater, and I think I was a freshman in college. And I I went with a girl I was friends with who happened to be dating uh one of my friends at the time. There was never any uh, funny business or anything. Okay. But but the two of us went to this movie together and throughout all of Jackass I was like when when people sort of uh you know cliché joke about like you, you you know you take a uh, a date to a horror movie and then they like grab you and like kind of cut like curl up on you and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Jackass it was like that times a 10. It was oh, yeah, nuts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she she was like all over me the entire time, and not in a sexual way. Just in like she kept like grabbing my arm and like hiding, hiding her, her face. face. Yeah. yeah, and like freaking out. And I was like, yeah, this is the move. You take yeah. a date to a jackass movie. Oh, those movies are so fucking funny. They're great. They're incredible. Um. Mm. All right. So uh, anything more you wanted to hit on this one? No, I feel like I'm forgetting a scene or two, but that's all right. Um. I think I think I've. Uh, I've made myself I've made myself clear here. Yeah, same. Okay, for deaths, we got the uh, headless guy in the alley who has a chicken crammed down his neck. Uh, two cops get uh, killed in the convenience store robbery. A third cop is shot through the window. Um, the pharmacist, the guy's girlfriend, gets killed by maniac Kate. 
a guy gets thrown through the air and shot by Cordell like uh, like he's skeet shooting. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's pretty funny. Um, Robert Forster gets electrocuted with... Oh, no, no, different guy. Sorry. A doctor gets electrocuted with shock paddles. Robert Forster gets x-rayed to death. An ambulance full of EMTs uh, shows up. They're all dead. We don't see him die, though. Then the cameraman gets stabbed through with, like, a fucking katana blade. <laughs> yeah. Uh, came from who knows where. Uh, a couple of cops are gunned down on the stairs. It's reused footage from part two. Sleazy lawyer and that woman he's hitting on get gunned down in the hospital, the one I just talked about. Robert Davi guns down two criminals at the hospital who are, like, escaping with Jackie Earl Haley. Yeah, this... <laughs> They're like, oh, I forgot about that. I yeah. think they're mental patients. Yeah. They they, give, like, Cordell they, gives them guns. Yeah, but they really seem like they're just like, one of them's like schizophrenic, and yeah. Dobby just comes in and blows him the <laughs> oh, fuck away. Let's talk about that scene. So what happens is it's Jackie Earl Haley and these two guys are mm. armed and walking down the hotel, I keep saying hotel, hospital hallway. All of a sudden, a gurney with a sheet, like a body on a sheet, rolls by itself <laughs> right. up to them. And then Jackie Earl Haley shoots it twice. But then Robert Davi comes out of it, guns a-blazing. He reveals like, himself by shooting through the sheet on top that, oh, of Oh, so it. he wasn't getting shot. He was no. shooting through the sheet. Okay. Yes, yes, yeah. Because otherwise he would have been shot. He would have died, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, so, and then he just like hides behind this gurney and guns down these two guys while Jackie Hurley, Haley runs off. It's so yeah. funny. These two guys who, as far as we've seen, their only crime is holding a gun. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's, it's just so like, so did he get a running start and then hide under the gurney? Yeah. With the, or did he have somebody like, they have an idea. Push me. <laughs> so funny. But even then it's like, so... Didn't they like come out of an elevator or something? It's like yeah. the, the timing of it is is incredible. Yeah. Um, so then Jackie Earl Haley gets gunned down in the bathroom. Really great squib work on that one. Uh, the voodoo guy gets sh- shotgunned through the chest, and then Katie burns alive. And I guess Cordell also burns. But you know, we see a move at the end. Maniac mm-hmm. Cop will maybe return. Probably not in this form. Probably be rebooted. Yeah. Fuckers. Michael, what's your favorite death? Um, man, well, I'm kind of torn. I did. I, I laughed out. I, I laughed out loud at the skeet shooting thing. Mm-hmm. Cause he literally picks a dude up like by like, like you're going to toss a child like, mm-hmm. or, like or by the scruff of his neck. Yeah. The scruff of his neck and his back. And he throws him 15 feet into the air <laughs> It's like an old west thing, right? Yeah, yeah. He yeah, throws it up can, in the air. Yeah. yeah, and then he draws his gun and shoots him like four times in the chest and then he just falls to the ground dead. <laughs> and that was one of the early tone setters, I think, where I was like, "Oh, this is going to be ultimately kind of ridiculous in the same way that I think the second one, you know, gets a yeah. lot of good stuff." So, yeah. I'll go with that one. Um there's some other stuff I liked quite a bit, but that that'll be, that's one that I can think of off the top of my head. I really liked Paul Gleason and that woman getting gunned down. Surprisingly, yeah. <laughs> the way it's shot is very funny. Um, like you can't see Cordell at all. You just see their faces and then the squibs going off. Yeah. Um, uh, let me tell you something very, very funny quickly. The, the top review for maniac cop three on letterboxd, which is a three and a half star review. 
uh, is what the fuck is a badge of silence? (laughs) (laughs) See, I'm not crazy. It's no, you're not. But I never thought of it until you said something to me. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that is total nonsense. (laughs) Um, Zombie thumbs up or down. Is this movie gory? It's bloody. Mm hmm. But it's not exactly gory. This yeah, is something we've been so. struggling with. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I would like to make the distinction between blood and gore, if if we can okay. for a second. To okay. me, like squib work, stuff that would be like categ- stuff that would be an um, action movie. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's gore, even if it's bloody. But I think like people getting their heads cut off, sure, arms cut off. That's more gory. Okay, so sense. shootings are not gory. In my Although, mind, I know who, that doesn't really make sense, but who was it that had the really good squib scene? Jackie Earl Haley. It, yes, dies. they're good. It's like they're good squibs. Yeah, it's good squibs. Yeah, yeah. Okay, but like um, squibs that would be at home in a John Woo movie or something. Yeah, you're right. No, I I'm I'm with you. I don't. I think that makes sense. So I'm gonna get. For me, I think it's a thumbs down as being gory. It is mm-hmm. bloody. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll go with you. Since you just changed the whole scoring rubric on me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'll say that it was not gory, but violent. So gore, zombie thumb down. Okay. Um, and then ghost thumbs up or down. Is this movie scary, Mike? No. No, it's not at all. Not even a little bit. Not even a little bit. And then finally, the last time we'll have to remember it. Exterminate. Right? Yeah copulate copulate and assimilate and assimilate and what did jim pointed jim, out to us we should have been doing something else instead of exterminate the whole time yeah like immolate or something incinerate incinerate right? incinerate yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Incinerate. which is like yeah you're right actually it should have been incinerate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a lot of flamethrower situations yeah okay you want to go first you want me to go first um i'm still torn Okay. I'll, I'll okay. No, open. I'm not torn. I'm not torn. Do you I want me? The perfect sky. Is you torn. Think. Think about what you're gonna say while I read another review of Maniac Cop Three from Letterboxd. Okay. Sure. Um, another three and a half star review. Just like Nightcrawler, but there's an evil ghost cop with very confusing motivations. <laughs> I agree with that. Um, yeah. Okay. So this is not a good movie. I started my whole discussion with that sentiment. But that doesn't mean it's not enjoyable. That doesn't mean there's some merit to how funny and goofy it can be. Uh, it's There's some really, really fun action set pieces. That that car chase at the end is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's enough here that like, yeah, this isn't something that is going to change your life. Uh, you'll In the next segment, you will hear <laughs> you'll hear how it stacks up against the other two. Yeah, but for me, this is firmly in the copulate. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's just fun. It's dumb fun, dumb fun. You all right over there? I'm good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, everything's fine. Okay. Uh, yeah. So for me, yes, there are there are problems with this movie. The script doesn't make sense, uh, and it's unfortunate that um, that it had to be kind of 
shot in a disjointed way. But as we said, I I would be a little bit worried to see what this would have been if if it had been exactly as Cohen and um, and Lustig envisioned it. Um, Cause it sounds like a harder movie to pull off. Yeah. Um, this is dumb fun. It's, this is like, I mean, this is a really down the middle. Like it's like a, it's if video stores were still a thing, it's like a, it's like a midnight movie video rental where it's just like, yeah, it's goofy and it's not a good movie, but it's a very entertaining movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it has a good sense of humor and like like Eric said, I was almost I mean I wasn't quite this exuberant, but like the mood I was like sort of cackling through the entire climactic car chase. Like mm-hmm. it has real energy. The way they edit it together is great. There's like legitimate jokes like, throughout this movie. I actually I will go ahead and specifically give. Uh, compliments to the editor of this film there are three editors the three editors rick tuber david kern and michael elliott um it's it's a well-edited film considering what a mess i imagine all the footage must be Mm -hmm. and and the fact that they managed to get some pretty good laughs in there um yeah for me uh it's not you know by not being good by being traditionally a bad movie in the most objective sense of the word I, I don't think it could qualify for a an assimilate, but uh, for for certain a copulate a fiery copulation at that. All right. Well, I think we're in agreement there. We're gonna I fuck think, this movie. Yeah, and it's you know what it's fitting, because at the end of the day, this whole movie is about Matt Cordell, <laughs> like wanting some poon. You know. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, he just wants to get his weird zombie cop dick wet <laughs> yeah he wants anyway, to get any part of him wet after he's, he's been on fire for 10 minutes <laughs> recommend this podcast to whoever <laughs> um, <laughs> recommend it to your parents let's take a quick break and we'll do our series ranking wrap up superlatives and announce the next movie series we are covering Okay, we're back. Let's give a brief rundown of these movies before we get into superlatives, shall we? Okay, I'm down to do that. Okay. You want me to uh, do it? No, 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 I got it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the first, first movie in this series is Maniac Cop, directed by Bill Lustig, written by Larry Cohen. It came out in 1988. Stars Tom Atkins, Bruce Campbell, Laurie Landon, 
And Robert Zadar is the maniac cop. Uh, sorry, I just adopted one of Joe Bob's. Yeah, Jesus <laughs> Christ. Speaking mannerisms just then. Um, incredibly loud fireworks happening by my house. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. Um, this one was followed by Maniac Cop 2. Uh, also directed by William Lustig. Also written by Larry Cohen. Coming out two years later in 1990. This one kills Bruce Campbell and Laureen Landon, replaces them with Robert Davi, Claudia Christian, Michael Lerner, and, uh, of course, Robert Zadar is the Maniac Cop. Then, the movie we watched today, Maniac Cop 3, Badge of Silence, 1993-1992 technically release. Apparently, it was released in the U.S. on videocassette in 93, Eric, but it aired first December 92 on HBO, as oh, you as you go. said earlier, yeah. December. That's why we're doing it now. Mm-hmm, that's right. We thought about it in advance. Mm-hmm. Um, this one stars Robert Davi again and uh, Robert Zadar, and we just talked about it for an hour, so you get it. All right, let's hand out some superlatives. First up, best actor, best performance. Um, mm-hmm. I thought about this long and hard. Uh, <laughs> I I would say uh. There, although there are some really good performances, really funny, memorable performances in this mm-hmm. one, mm-hmm. I think my favorite goes all the way back to Maniac Cop One. Okay, and it's uh, delivered by a man we like to call Tom Atkins. Mm-hmm. He is yeah. just—he's always a welcome screen presence. He's always funny, and he always seems curmudgeonly, and it's just—it's—it's. It's, in that movie, like that movie has Bruce Campbell in it, and Bruce Campbell's not that great. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, this isn't a good Bruce Campbell performance. Yeah. yeah. So uh, to me, Atkins really steals the show. Yeah, we're not so in the bag for Bruce Campbell that we can't say when he turns in a half-assed performance. Yeah, totally. He just yeah. wasn't delivering to his strengths, you know? No, no, he wasn't. Um, for me, uh, I think that that is perhaps the best answer to this question but uh, i was a little torn and since you picked tom atkins i'm gonna go with my other pick which i think he made a big impact without a lot of screen time i'm sad he doesn't come back for maniac cop 3 but the serial killer Turkel in Maniac Cop 2, played by Leo Rossi. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, is just some fun, wild creep stuff. Uh, and he really, you know, he chews the scenery, but it's a it's written, it's written that way, right? He he, you know, it's what he's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And uh and I just really enjoyed his performance, and he looks uh he really looks the part. So Leo Rossi from Maniac Cop 2. There you go. Next up, you want to do Hmm. Let's do uh, a, a serious one. A very okay. serious one. A serious one. Best car chase. Best car chase. There's some really interesting, fun car chases in all three of these movies. Yeah. Let's try to think about it. So the first yeah. one certainly has the big finale with the with the truck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we the got the truck the ramping up. Exactly. And then Bruce Campbell, well, a stuntman. Mm-hmm. is hanging off the side of it and also gets launched into the water like sort of yeah. separately it's crazy yeah that's kind of the craziest part of it is there an earlier car chase that's less not so than that one i was trying, trying to, to remember think. i don't know that there is 
another okay. guy gets hooked onto the uh, tow truck. That's right. But I don't remember if there's a, a more. No- I mean, the fact that we don't remember probably says something. Yeah, it tells you everything you need to know. If there is, it's not that exciting. Um, okay. Second one, car chases. There's two big car chases, yes. right? Yep. Okay. So this is the one with the the lady police officers, uh-huh. Riley and Mallory, <laughs> so, I believe. Sound like such a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> I was like trying to make a joke out of it, and then I couldn't really get there, so I just ended up just... saying it. Like the way my grandpa would. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like not enough, not enough of a joke to really register. Mm-hmm. But just people just think you're an asshole now. Yeah, just some lovely ladies in a car chase. <laughs> um, gals, some sweet, some nice gals. That that one's actually not as creepy. No, it's yeah. kind of kind of charming. Yeah. Okay. So yes, there's the one where uh, what is it? Riley gets chained to handcuffed to the steering wheel and. And then yes. uh, he kills Teresa and all this crazy stuff. And then we have the, the bus chase, right? Yes, the prisoner bus chase. Yeah, which has a big old pipe pipe ramp. Yeah, double cop car pipe ramp. They both mm-hmm. go off. Synchronized. It's crazy. Yeah. And then three, we just talked about it, this crazy flaming car chase yeah. at the end. Yeah. So for you, Eric, which one left the biggest impact? Well, I went first last time, and I feel like I stole your answer. So, do you want to okay. go first? Sure, I can go first. Um, yeah, just count like going through them again. There are, well, one, it's 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 a strength of the series. Let's just say that every movie has a strong car chase in it, mm-hmm. um, and that's just fun stuff. I will say that in terms of just sheer uh, ingenuity and the amount of uh, sick amusement I got out of it. I do have to go with the flaming police chase at the end of Maniac Cop 3. Badge of silence, I think. Yeah. I think there's just too many highlights in the course of that for me to to me, me to pick anything else. Yeah, that that's probably going to be my choice as well, but I'll then I'll give a shout out to um the the one from part 2 where she is handcuffed to the outside of the car. It's really fun and stressful and, and Yeah absurd but it's 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 yeah. really cool some stunt people really did the lord's work throughout this series yeah shout out to our stunt men and women everywhere and stunt people non you know non-binary and whatnot absolutely absolutely <laughs> lovely ladies and <laughs> really um sorry mike's been infected by the woke mind virus here <laughs> all right uh what's next eric uh, next what was the third there was a third and a fourth uh okay i have them i wrote them down i wrote them down okay, okay let's go <laughs> yeah we saved the two messiest ones for last that's good um well since i'm on a roll uh let's keep it going with uh my my non-pc antics sure. uh er- eric Who's the biggest badge bunny in the Maniac Cop series? <laughs> of course, by badge bunny we mean women who are attracted to cops. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna go with. Let me just quickly Google her name from Maniac <laughs> Cop One uh-huh. and Maniac Cop Two. Is it Mallory? Uh-huh. Uh, are we talking about the old lady? No, I'm talking Laurie about Landon's, the blonde. Laurie Landon's L- character. Laurie Landon's character, the blonde. Um, 
Got it. She, oh, shit. She's, oh, shit. Oh, shit. Yeah, you, it you is had Mallory. It. Officer, it is Mallory. Officer Teresa Mallory. And this I, is high, I, <laughs> this is high quality podcast. <laughs> I picked her because she is uh, she's uh, engaging in adultery with Bruce Campbell. Yeah, and then true. she be- she becomes the love interest in that movie after his wife is killed kind of an- unceremoniously. <laughs> yeah. And what better way to express your uh, your uh, attraction to police officers than becoming one yourself? Yeah, exactly. That, the lady doth protest too much, you know? That's she what I think. She put herself in the belly of the beast. <laughs> Who do you pick? Who's she your... wants the beast in her belly, my friend. <laughs> she wants a belly full of... <sighs> <laughs> she wants... <laughs> Go ahead, say it. <laughs> no, no, no. It's all okay. right. I don't. <laughs> well, I mean, you kind of got to say it now. No, I, I will, because I got stranded halfway through. I had the second half of the joke, but not the first half. Okay, okay. What's a good derogatory term for cops? Should we use cops? Um, yeah. Pigs. Yeah. <laughs> she wants a, a belly full of pig. She wants some, uh, she wants some pigs up in her guts. That's uh, what I was gonna say. <laughs> um, you know, like a luau, some Kahlua pork. Right? Yeah. Uh, that's what I meant. <laughs> who's yes. your badge bunny? <laughs> who's my be- Who's my biggest, best, baddest badge bunny? Um, this one goes out let- to the badge bunnies. <laughs> All the bunnies, mamas, baby badge bunny, babies, mamas. <laughs> Um, okay. Uh, well, like I have an answer that feels objectively true, but not very fun. Uh, and since I can't vamp much longer than this already, I'm going to have to use it. So it is what I sort of mistakenly thought you were going to say. Sherry North's character, Officer Sally Noland. Oh, yes, yes, of course. Who is so all up on Matt Cordell's jock that even oh, though yeah, he's a yeah, zombie, yeah. she still, she wants, still wants it. Yeah. That's a good um, point. It's a very good point. Yeah. So I'm going to go with Officer Sally Noland. Um, also just want to make clear uh, before we end this segment that, you know, badge bunnies can be boys too. Um, they just yeah, sure. weren't. They just weren't oh, in this. There it goes again. <laughs> but this he's is so one of the afraid. More... He just lives his just... life so afraid. <laughs> It's going to be canceled. This is one of the more crass things we've done in a while. <laughs> we say that every time we do a superlative. We're do always we? like, best tits. You know, like, <laughs> that's not true. I'm just kidding, you guys. I hate tits. Um, yeah. <laughs> Wait. Now you're going in the wrong direction. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I hate myself. Okay, cool. That's uh, Badge Bunny. So, saving the best for last. Uh, what are we doing next? What was it? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Loosest cannon. Oh, that's right. Loosest yeah. cannon. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's why gotta, I had you write it down. Yeah. We got a lot of cops uh, bending the rules, seeing how far they can go before they break. You know, good cops. Eyes always getting in their way, but, you know, <laughs> city halls trying to keep them from firing off their weapons in the line God of duty. damn it, they get results. Results. Results? Jesus Christ. <laughs> Why, what the fall, fucking fall apart over here? 
<laughs> you are a mess. Yeah. <laughs> I'm carrying us right now. Uh, <sighs> so, Eric, uh, in your eyes, across the three Maniac Cop films, who's mm-hmm. the loosest canon? I mean, Matt Cordell. <laughs> yeah, that's correct. He's the loosest canon of them all. Yeah. yeah. There's no other answer. I mean, I guess there's Maniac Kate. May he she was rest a... in peace. <laughs> <laughs> They're in love. Um, He was a loose canon before he came back from the dead and became a maniac cop. Yeah, he, he was a maniac before he was even dead. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and then he, he really, yeah, just does not respect other people's civil rights throughout the course of the series yeah i think the runner-up would be maniac kate probably yeah um she definitely has the energy she definitely has cop that wants to shoot somebody energy mm-hmm. you know which we also just call cop energy um, <laughs> um all right so before we move on to the rankings i do want to say i, I was so pleasantly surprised with this series Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. like I just I don't I already seen the first two, but even revisiting them, I like them more than I did before when I the last time I had seen them, and it's just like it's just a really fun, refreshing, different kind of horror movie, like yeah. exploitation movie. I we should really should we pivot to cop movies, Eric? I mean, let's get to. Uh, I mean, the the name would still stay the same for sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's it for this week's episode, you guys. Um, <laughs> I wish there was an audience who could back up my my laughter. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think um, this there's not a lot of um, you know we've had one or two other series like this. I'm trying to pull one off the top of my head, but but the kind of like slow and steady, um, right? Where it's like none of these are incredible, um, but you know none of them were bad. Like mm-hmm. or I mean. In, in in the way that it's like I wouldn't recommend it to somebody, you know. Um, so kudos, even though Lustig walked uh, at the tail end, kudos to Bill Lustig and Larry Cohen for uh, for cobbling together a pretty satisfying trilogy. I gotta say. Yeah. I All agree. right. Without further ado, Eric, what is your third ranked Maniac Cop film? Uh, for me, it is Maniac Cop Three: Badge of Justice. Uh, okay. You know, uh, even though I did enjoy it. The script is such a mess that it's hard. It's hard for me to argue it to be higher. Okay. okay. Uh, tough but fair. Um, for me, my third ranked movie is going to be. Hold on to your jocks, everyone. The original Maniac Cop. Okay. Um, it's a it's a testament to the strength of the of the trilogy. Um. It's not in third place for anything it does wrong so much as it's just, I think, the second and the third movies kind of elevates not the right word because <laughs> mm-hmm. it's, it's cheesy, schlocky, B-movie stuff. But I think that the, the latter two movies take it more into the zone where it belongs, which is mm-hmm. like the first ones, it's very cool, but it's like a little grimier and a little more serious yeah which... it's like 10 degrees away from like a death wish movie or something yeah absolutely yeah i think that's fair and and again you know i always try to attack these these series as like grading to the franchise and what the franchise is or should be and i do think that the tone moves in a direction that feels like a better fit 
specifically going from Maniac Cop to Maniac Cop 2. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I do feel like 3 kind of holds that tone pretty well, aside from its obvious flaws. But it's just a very close one for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, All right, then. So number two, Mike, uh, wait, do we snake draft this? I can't remember. No, we I usually don't. do, but why don't you go ahead? Because I think it'll make more sense, you know. Sure. To go in this order. Uh, for my, my number two, I'm picking the original Maniac Cop. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, you know, I think just technically it's probably a, a more well-made movie. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. I, it certainly had a less troubled production. Yeah. Uh, and it's just a fun, it's a fun, grimy little, little movie that, yeah, whatever, fucking talked about it. What's yours? <laughs> what if they didn't listen to that episode, that's Eric? That's true, that's true. Yeah. You're giving them nothing. Uh, yeah. Uh, my number two is Maniac Cop 3. We did a little switcheroo here. This is not based on quality from an objective standpoint. It's based on how much I enjoyed watching it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I honestly just had a better time watching this than I did the first one. And again... I liked watching the first one. I had a good time, but I had a better time on Friday night uh, digging into Maniac Cop 3. And maybe having slightly lowered expectations made the difference there. Who's sure, who can yeah. say, you know, but uh, it's just really fun. Like, you know, it's it's a really satisfying uh, B movie. And uh, and yeah, I, I, I liked it. So then, of course, that means our number one pick, both of us, Maniac mm-hmm. Cop 2. I mean, that Maniac Cop 2 is a real heater. It's just so it fun. Yeah. It's more of an action movie than a horror movie, but it has some great action. And really, the, um, yeah. the Rossi, the, the serial killer stuff is all very funny. Like, not funny, mm-hmm. but like fun. His performance right. is fun. It's a weird little wrinkle in this movie. It's like, why is this happening? But it's also like... I don't know. I just it's it's yeah. it's also the first one. It's the only one with with nudity in it. With boobies, is, it's got boobies yeah. in it. Yeah. Well, you know what's funny? I'm thinking about it now. This doesn't change my rankings at all. But like, the script to this one is also nonsense. <laughs> like, oh yeah, sure. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah. The first one is the only one that really has like a cogent script. But even then, um, they're like, wait, so wait, what is he? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Is it's he not a zombie? Even clear if he's supernatural yeah. or what? Yeah. The whole thing, you don't come here for story structure. No. Um, you come here to watch three movies that all clock in under 88 minutes. Um, and honestly, if all three of them had some just fun nudity that everyone can enjoy and doesn't make you feel lecherous, then I feel like, you know, it's an A-plus series. Probably not. It needs a little bit more than that. But yeah, it's it very fun. Yeah, my number one is also Maniac Cop 2. Um it's the most impressive of the three, certainly. Yeah. Um, you know, it it has the strengths of three with less of its weaknesses. And it's a very different film than the first one. So it would totally make sense to me if, if another person walked into this and just said, well, the first one is clearly the best one. Like, there's... There's a very, I think there's actually a pretty clear cut argument someone else could make if that was their feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think just in terms of having a good old time, which is what I came here to do, <laughs> Maniac Cop 2 is the bestest time of them all. 
So then for our canonical ranking, mm. um, uh, reflecting on, on Maniac Cop having uh, a different kind of uh, feel and, and, and my little speech about quality in someone else's eyes, I think I, I feel pretty comfortable swapping over to your rating, Eric. Okay. Yeah, I mean, like, like they're pretty close. Like, honestly, we could even mm-hmm. be a real coward and say it's a tie. <laughs> I'm not a coward. I'm a man. Okay. And I have right, a man's then. needs. <laughs> so then that means Maniac Cop 3, Badge of Justice at number three. Maniac Cop 1 at number two. And then Maniac Cop 2 at number one. None of them are the number of the ranking that we gave them. It's a real mix them up. Very confusing. Mm-hmm. What's not confusing is our next series. I don't know what I mean by that. <laughs> it's very straightforward. You know. It's straightforward. We're heading uh-huh. into the holiday season. You thought we weren't going to do it, guys, but we're going to do it to you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We're going to do right. it to you. A holiday movie that may end up having nothing to do with the holiday, and we reserve the right to bail out halfway through. No, those are only two movies, so that we don't uh, have to bail. We're, of course, talking about to. the killer snowman movies, Jack Frost and Jack Frost 2. <laughs> Of course, we gave you so many context clues. You should have figured it out. Of course, we're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, have you seen Uh, these before? I have not. No. No, Um, never. You never even saw part one. Never saw part one. Although it's another uh, Fangoria movie. I'm just gonna call them that from now on, and hopefully you guys can keep up. But it means I had a subscription to Fangoria when it was being released. I've seen um, I've seen part one twice, <laughs> and, wow. I, and once within the last like five years or something like that. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Jack Frost, nineteen ninety seven, directed by Michael Cooney. Very available, which is nice. Uh, it's on Amazon Prime. It's on Crackle, Freebie. Uh, it's on Peacock. Um, it is on Plex. It's on Tubi. It's on Vudu, Pluto, Roku. Hoopla. Did I say hoopla right? Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's on a lot. You can watch hoopla? it. <laughs> it's a whole lot of hoopla is what it is. All right. I have to go to bed. I'm so tired. Okay. Um, so, yeah. Looking forward to that, I guess. Not really. Those movies suck. But, <laughs> hey. <laughs> Maybe a third time's a charm for Jack Frost for me. Yeah, that's usually how it goes. You watch a bad movie a third time. I don't think I've seen part two, but maybe I have. I don't know. Well, only one way to find out. Not me. Virgin virgin ears and eyes. And as always, an event that can only be described as a black rainbow of terror. What a weird quote. Why did I pick that one? You're, you're a mess. You're just a mess. <laughs>